was asked by Corey to bring this devotion this morning, the holiness of the pastor, pastoral holiness. I can't help but think after we hung up, he had an evil laugh. <laughs> I told him, great, and the topic will be a wretch addressing wretches. Isn't that wonderful about Amazing Grace? So many people love it, and they make a confession of who they are almost unknowingly. Because so far, as far as I know, no one's changed the first verse. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. In a letter to Horatius Bonar, Robert Murray McShane wrote, I have a great desire for personal growth in faith and holiness. I love the word of God and find it the sweetest nourishment for my soul. Can you help me to study it more successfully? The righteousness of Christ is all my way to the Father, for I am the chief of sinners. And were it not for the promise of the Comforter, my soul would sink in the hour of temptation. In his article, Five Lessons Learned from a Lifetime of Pastoring, Fred Malone wrote this. This was number one. I am more sinful than I first thought I was. The constant opening of my heart to self-examination while researching sermons has revealed the twists and turns of sin in my own heart. The result has been a greater thankfulness for our Father's plan of grace, our Lord Jesus' suffering for my sins, and a greater understanding that anything I know of truth and holiness is only because of the Spirit's work in my heart to keep me from falling. But strangely, this very recognition of my own remaining sins as a Christian and as a pastor, has not discouraged me simply because it makes me understand even more the height and the depth and the breadth of the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. This painful process has enabled me to keep Christ and his gospel more at the center of my thinking and preaching, both to the saved and to the lost at the same time. I am more sinful than I first thought I was. The reality of being simultaneously saint and sinner is greatly multiplied in the ministry. I mentioned uh, a few years ago that uh, my mind is like a jukebox in a truck stop that got closed in the 70s. Anything from the 60s and the 70s plays in my head very nicely. I think there must have been a time that the music died. But in the 60s, there was a singer by the name of Bob Lund. He's kind of a one-hit wonder. He had a song that he sings about chasing the bright, elusive butterfly of love. And for us, 
There's a chase for the bright, elusive butterfly of holiness. We know we cannot fully achieve it, yet we strive for it. And oddly, we chase after something that first and foremost is, is, is within us. Matthew Henry, in a rare moment of succinctness, defines holiness as Christ-likeness. Roman Catholicism has many terms for its clergy in regard to how they are to be addressed. When it comes to the Pope, your holiness, holy father, most holy father. To a cardinal, your eminence. I don't know if that means they're very fat. For a bishop, most reverend. For a monsignor, very reverend monsignor. Right reverend. For a priest, very reverend. These great appellations seem to exalt their ministers to heights of holiness just by their titles. In the King James Version of Psalm 119 and verse 9, it reads, He sent redemption unto his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and reverend is his name. After reading that years and years ago, I asked funeral homes to stop referring to me as Reverend Jeffords. A term that is reserved for our Father. When we read the requirements that we find for our place, our office in Titus chapter 1 and verse 6 and following, and in 1 Timothy 3 verses 1 through 6, we are left feeling quite insufficient. Truth is, in reading those things, we should feel quite inadequate. Right down to the basics. Even going beyond that, when Jesus was asked, what is the greatest of the commandments? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength. Show of hands. How many have done that? In the first very basic, we fall short. We're, we know that. But we know something else, too. We read 2 Corinthians chapter 3 just a moment ago. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God, who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant. The holiness that we'll talk about is, is not only that which comes with our sanctification, but there is that which comes from our calling as well. It is the Lord who's made us sufficient. If he's called us, he has made us sufficient for the task for which he has called us. Very many years ago, that's what you, when you, when you get into the last part of the 60s in your life, you get to talk about things that happened a long time ago. But when I became 
by the grace of God enlightened to know his truth. I was warned about something. And that is, and it's in 2 Corinthians as well, what do you have that you did not receive? And if you received it, why do you act like you didn't? How easy it is to slip into the legalism. My first teachings in how to be a pastor were from the W.A. Criswell model. Some of you might be familiar with that. You have to make so many visits a week. You have to, you have to do so many things. It was a checklist of number of things that you had to do every week in order to be considered a true minister of the gospel. And how easy it is for us who know the three uses of the law to put ourselves under the first instead of the third. But our sufficiency is from God. And we, of all people, need the cross daily. John Piper wrote, Brothers, we are not professionals. And that does have a ring of truth. But brothers, we are chosen vessels. In fact, if truly called, we are gifts to the church. Now, I don't want you running around and going home and saying, I learned this week that we're gifts. But what does the word say? Ephesians 4.11 and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. He himself gave. Giving of necessity means there's a gift. Our sufficiency is from God who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant. Around us we we see stories two or three times a year of the moral failure of celebrity preachers. But we sometimes also notice that there are some who have found the idol of relevance. It is usually self-designed. In speak or dress, there must be some kind of hipness to it. To be more like the culture, while others feel it's more appropriate to use coarse language and pejorative terms to speak about someone in the public eye who, who differs from them. Brothers, if you're looking for a ministerial role model, do not look to Moscow. Look to Christ. Spurgeon said this to his students. This is not intended that we are to hold ourselves bound by every whim or fashion of society in which we move. As a general rule, I hate the fashions of society and detest conventionalities. And if I conceived it best to put my foot through a law of etiquette, I should feel gratified in having it to do. No, we are men, not slaves, and are not to relinquish our manly freedom 
to be the lackeys of those who affect gentility or boast refinement. Yet, brethren, anything that verges upon coarseness, which is akin to sin, we must shun as we would a viper. The rules of Chesterfield are ridiculous to us, but not the example of Christ, and he was never coarse, low, discourteous, or indelicate. There's a balance that we must have, and it does go to the core of holiness. We are not to be effeminate, and we are not to be vulgar. We are to model Christ, and should we do so, we model perfect manhood. And our world needs men who are men. Virgin also told his students, upon the whole, no place is assailed with temptation as ministry. Despite the popular idea that ours is a, a snug retreat from temptation, it is no less true that our dangers are more numerous, more insidious than those of ordinary Christians. Ours may be the vantage ground for height, but that height is perilous. And to many, the ministry has proven to be a tarpian rock. Now, if you don't know what a tarpian rock is, it was a, a large cliff that was very sharp, and, and the Romans would take criminals and throw them off that cliff. If you ask what these temptations are, time might fail us to particularize them. Your own observation will soon reveal to you a thousand snares, unless indeed your eyes are blinded. We must remember the Lord's word to us. I am the vine, and ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. Christ is the source <clears throat> of any good that we do. He supplies the nutrients for our growth and holiness. And so finally we ask, what type of holiness should we strive for? May I say to you this morning that we strive for a joyful holiness, a joyful striving. We strive because he who loved us and washed us and cleansed us, and then who called us is worthy of the striving. And then that should not be drudgery for us, but it should be our delight. Christ has chosen us to model him in a world of darkness. Don't ever feel like you are not needed. In Acts chapter 4 and verse 13, Hopefully not to really take this out of context. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter 
and John. And perceived that they were uneducated, untrained men. They marveled. And they realized that they had been with Jesus. May that be the same for us. We're going to enter into a time of corporate prayer now. I will lead us off, and then whoever wants to join in is certainly welcome to do so. Let us pray. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, for this beautiful day we give Thee thanks. For this gathering in this place, for the joy and anticipation for the presence of like-minded brothers and sisters for the hope of that which is to come and for the joy of today we give thee thanks oh Lord how Gracious thou hast been, here we are, sinful people, yet at the same time, thy people, truly each and every day remembering that more than any we need Christ, we need his cross, we need not only the active obedience, but certainly the passive. And we are so grateful that thou hast reminded us that it is not of ourselves, but from thee, that our sufficiency, our adequacy, is from thee. We thank thee that we have no other place to look then. We thank thee that thou art a gracious father, we thank Thee for the safety that we uh, see in the travels that have taken place to come to this place. We thank Thee, Lord, for the work and the preparation and the spirit of unity that has been in this body of believers. We pray for, for Brother Earl in these days that Thou would grant him strength and clarity of mind and Strength in his body and joy in his heart and wisdom from his mouth. Lord, we would ask a particular blessing upon this association. Forgetting that which lies behind and pressing on to the goal that lies before us. Let us run the race unencumbered by pride, foolishness, selfishness, or agendas. May the glory of our God and Savior, the preservation and proclamation of the truth, be that which guides, directs our hearts, 
that we, these vessels of clay, might be vessels of honor unto thee. Gracious Heavenly Father, I would indeed echo 